invitation for all. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and on myjoyonline.com for these stories and more. Right, my name is Kojo Youngson. Lots of good stuff ahead in the next two hours. Let's start with this one. Finance Minister is this afternoon meeting with MPs ahead of his appearance on Monday to present the mid-year budget review. Now, the minister will seek to uh, the views and concerns of MPs before he makes his presentation to ensure the budget is more inclusive and acceptable to all, considering the country's economic situation. We're going to take you there live shortly. Ahead of that, though, uh, renowned economist Dr. Ishmael Yamsen says government is yet to demonstrate commitment to expenditure cuts in spite of the distressing state of the economy. Now, the finance minister, uh, who will country's economic situation. We're going to take you there live shortly. Ahead of that, though, uh, renowned economist Dr. Ishmael Yamsen says government is yet to demonstrate commitment to expenditure cuts in spite of the distressing state of the economy. Now, the finance minister, uh, who will on Monday present the mid-year budget statement, is expected to be heavy in spite of the distressing state of the economy. Now, the finance minister, uh, who will on Monday present the mid-year budget statement, is expected to be heavy. Dr. Yamsen says, government's attitude to expenditure before and after the IMF deal has not changed. He spoke to our very own George Biafi. We look at the graph, and we, we did it three days or so ago. Since 1992, since 1992, we've never run a balanced budget, mm. not even to say that a balance with a surplus. So it means that we have consistently spent more than we have, we, three, three days or so ago. Since 1992, since 1992, we've never run a balanced budget. Mm. Not even to say that a balance with a surplus. So it means that we have consistently spent more than we have, we, we, the revenue we raised. Mm -hmm. And there are programs that they, they, they just consistently spent more than we have, we, we, the revenue we raised. Mm -hmm. And there are programs that they, they, they just we battle 25 this account seems to be the reason why the finance minister is meeting with MPs ahead of what ought to be a pretty straightforward uh, budget review. Right, but also this is quite unprecedented in the, in the annals of parliamentary history whenever government is coming to do a media budget review or even the budget itself. There is no set meeting between the finance minister and the entirety of members of parliament. If you want the, the least of the meetings that happen is usually between the finance minister and the leadership on both sides to try and flesh out a few issues. But the Speaker of Parliament announced on the floor on Tuesday of a certain unprecedented agreement that had been reached by leadership on both sides of the House. So what is going to happen is that the finance minister can confirm that he has come into Parliament about 10 minutes ago. He has arrived in Parliament to meet with the members of parliament. The meeting itself has not started. The House has taken a suspension. We expect that the minister will come in very shortly and they will go back to the floor to do that transaction. Understanding is that it is going to be a closed sitting, so journalists will not be allowed in this meeting. 
But the kind of information we are picking up is that the finance ministry wants to avoid a gridlock that normally comes with this budget situation. They don't want a situation where they do a presentation on Monday, and if they introduce new policy, MPs will be hearing it for the first time, and they will, they will be opposed to it. The government has finalized the media budget review. The statement is ready, as we are told. They're coming to discuss the intricacies of this statement with members of parliament so that they can be on the same page. If MPs have concerns, they can feed it into the media budget review before the presentation on Monday. As of now, Kojo, we cannot confirm if the minister will be asking for further estimates. Normally, it is media budget review, and the minister may ask for more money because of the financial and how certain revenue measures have not performed that well. The ministry is unable to confirm that now, but we expect that this meeting will be in such a way that they are going to inform MPs whether there will be some introduction of new taxes at all. When Parliament resumed from its break fresh this time around, we were told by the majority chief whip that there were certain revenue measures that were being discussed that have not come yet, and so we expect all those conversations to be had. If you hear in the background, the bell is ringing. It is calling on all MPs to come to the floor now because the finance minister is around. So that they can go into this closed setting, get into the details of the media budget review, and then try and see if they can resolve all our standing issues before the presentation is made on Monday. Today. Well, you're going to have to stick around so you can update us on that. But in fact, don't go anywhere because this next story is something we could have your input on as well. Now, according to some... Accusing someone of witchcraft could land you in jail for five years. That is the punishment contained in the amended Criminal Offences Act. Uh, Parliament uh, today passed, well, actually yesterday, passed the bill to criminalize this accusation, uh, naming or labeling of another person as a witch. Uh, the amendment also prohibits the practice by any person as a witch doctor or witch finder. Uh, this comes as a victory for persons like 90-year-old Equia Dente, who was lynched in the Savannah region in 2020 after she was accused of witchcraft. Uh, a few such incidents have since occurred, prompting this bill. Our parliamentary correspondent remains with us, Kwikwa Sante. Uh, talk us through this particular amendment. Uh, I understand that it's the result of, of a private member's uh, you know, action. Talk us through the journey it has taken to its passage yesterday. So mainly this private member's bill is funded by three NDC MPs, France to the for Madina, Dr. Godfrey Tate, Jassau, MP for Y.E. And MP for Pushgab, Teresa Ladia, Ayamba. These NDC MPs, on the back of that 2020 incident, that gruesome video we all watched of some residents in the Savannah region stoning to death one Madame Ekia Dente, that is that they have to put together this bill, which will completely outlaw accusation of witchcraft in Ghana. So, what this bill does is, is in peace to say that. No one can accuse anybody of witchcraft at all. The moment we do that, you'll be falling foul of this law and you will go to jail up to five years. You will spend up to five years in jail just by accusing someone of being a witch or a wizard. We also mm -hmm. know that there are the Gambaga witch camps. There are a number of witch camps spread across the country where vulnerable women who are accused of witchcraft are put there. They have witch doctors and witch finders who attempt to so-called exercise these women of witchcraft that has also now been outlawed and if you ever do five years or pay some penalty fine so 
The law is now clear. It's expected to go to the desk of the president. If you ever do five years or pay some penalty fine. So the law is now clear. It's expected to go to the desk of the president pretty soon. I was speaking to the member of the Francis Xavier Susu, who had concerns that this situation was if you ever do five years or pay some penalty fine. So the law is now clear. It's expected to go to the desk of the president pretty soon. I was speaking to the member of the Francis Xavier Susu, who had concerns that this situation was exactly the punishment regime is and how exactly that is very necessary. We were concerns that this situation was exactly the punishment regime is and how exactly that is very necessary. Second, motion for the Criminal Offenses Amendment Bill to be read the third time. Moved and seconded. Those in favor arguing as to how to deal with it. And to the extent that um, this eighth parliament has found it needful to pass this bill into law, for me, it's definitely going to um, bring about a very serious mind shift. Uh, it's going to correct a lot of ills in our society. And I am confident that we are just building a better society for ourselves. Well, the law um, simply says that henceforth nobody can practice as a witch doctor or a witch finder. Uh, and it will be also unlawful to accuse another person of witchcraft. Um, and uh, if you are a community leader who supervises either uh, the labeling of another person as a witch or beating of the person or lynching the person as we have always been seeing, all of you will be in breach of this law. We urge the president uh, knowing and gunning from our human rights records and performance uh, globally so far. This is another opportunity for us to up our ranking in human rights and so and I do believe that the, His Excellency the President is very concerned about our human rights profile and so I'm confident that he will sign it immediately as soon as possible into law. Um, like I said, up north, I think that this um, there is a cultural relationship, etc., about witchcraft and so on. And let me be clear that we are not prescribing witchcraft per se. We are not saying people shouldn't exercise their cultural, their religious, their spiritual beliefs. No. What we are saying is that you cannot accuse somebody of witchcraft. Jessica, this is the happiest day of my life. Right up there with the day I bought my RV and insured it with Progressive. Man, I love that thing. There are a million fish in the sea, which I'm reminded of every time I bring my RV to the lake, but I vow to love and cherish you just as much as I cherish campsites with full electric and water hookups. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Protect your beloved with an RV policy from Progressive. Take as little as four minutes to see what you could save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, development. Uh, you cannot accuse somebody of witchcraft. If you do, what we are saying is that you cannot accuse somebody of witchcraft. If you do... This is a fascinating uh, you know, uh, development. Uh, Francis Xavier Susu, uh, twice in a, in a week having a, a bill that he sponsored. Fascinating, uh, you know, uh, development. Uh, Francis Xavier Susu, uh, twice in a, in a week, having a, a bill that he sponsored. Mr. Godfrey, David Dassault said that they are not legislating against witchcraft in itself. 
them. If you accuse someone of just being awake alone, that will land you in jail up to five years. Person who's on TV, you never hear anybody accuse the speaker's mother of being awake because it's a very popular person who is well to do. It's almost always the very vulnerable people in society who are accused of being witches, and then the society proceeds to inflict harm on them. The law says you cannot do that now. Not only will you go to jail, you will pay compensation to the person that you proceeded to accuse them of witchcraft. You will pay for counseling, for instance, if the person has to go through counseling. And so this is what the law is seeking to do. And in the coming days, they expected to land on the president's desk. And as soon as next week, the MPC, they expect President Kufaro to sign it into law. Mm. Five years in prison could be your uh, punishment if you utter the words we you be for to someone uh, listen quickly thank you so much for that update we appreciate it now of course uh, the bill's passage has also won the applause of the christian council which is strongly advocating that pastors found culpable should face the law reverend cyril fiosi is a general secretary let's hear him i completely support the passage of the bill into law criminalizing witchcraft accusation and so if you are a pastor and you go accusing people, mothers and grandmothers are to be strapped. I think the law should deal with you. I don't, I don't think you have to accuse someone of being a witchcraft if, if you want to help the person, if you want to deliver the person. You go ahead and pray and uh, deal with the spirit that you think is possessing the person. If you rebuke the spirit of witchcraft in the person, you are not saying the person is a witch. There are two different things. But going around telling people that this particular person is a witch, your mother is a witch, your grandmother is a witch, that is the problem. And I think the, the bill is trying to curb that problem. Now, the Communications Bureau of the National Democratic Congress in the Wa West constituency has expressed worry over a litany of projects started by the NPP government which are yet to be completed in that constituency. One of such projects is a six-number 10-seater toilet project, uh, which will, were started in 2017. They've been abandoned by the contractors and the sites have been overtaken by weeds. Now, they are urging the government to take quick steps to complete these projects for use by the citizenry or they will resort to demonstrations and other legal means to force the government to complete these projects. Join users, Upper West Regional Correspondent Rafiq Salam reports from Dorimo in the Wa West District. The press conference held by the National Democratic Congress NDC World West Constituency Communications Bureau centered on three projects whose construction had been on a hiatus for several years. First was the construction of six number toilet projects located in six communities in the constituency. The 10 seater toilet project in 2017 was supposed to be completed within six months, almost seven to two months after the commencement of the projects that are yet to be completed, the contractors have abandoned the sites which are now being overtaken by weeds. Olena Ababasa is the communications officer of the NDC in the West constituency. These communities include Dolimo, Siriri, Lassie, Ga, Wichau, and Naha. Even, in the, in the, even if they had coined it in one of their most appealing but good for nothing slogans, such as one year, one toilet, these projects would have been completed 
in an ambitious promise made seven years ago, the government inability to complete these essential facilities in both Tabo. Olina Ababasa noted that the government's broken promises have resulted in of inadequate sanitation facilities poses significant health risk, especially for children, the elderly, our vulnerable groups, and those with compromised immune systems. The few people that are able to have, few, I mean, some private toilets are what uh, others are relying on. But largely, a lot of people go to the environs, divicate, what we call open divication. And I am saying that in the SDG goals, this is one of the things that all, every government and the world over, even UNDP had a project on this, talking about open divication, how it is not helping us. This is just our water, one of the water bodies in the community. The dam is just here. It means that anybody that comes to divicate around this place, the water, since we are at the upstream, the water will take it down there. And that means that we are going to have uh, other challenges as far as health and sanitation is concerned. They also call on the government to be transparent and provide a detailed explanation for the inexcusable delay and mismanagement that has led to this unacceptable situation. Wouldn't the government save its face from such an unaviable record that the Akuvu Adobaumia government hasn't been able to complete even a single toilet facility after spending seven years in office? The constituents of Wawes have waited long enough for the fulfillment of this essential and long overdue commitment. It is high time the government through her operatives, most especially the DC for Wawes, to immediate to take immediate and concrete steps to, to rectify this situation and prioritize the timely completion of these crucial facilities without any further delay. They also use the opportunity to talk about other abandoned projects in the constituency such as the Dormo E block, the last year Tolu Senior School projects, the World Dormo and Gabucho Roads. We urge the government to allocate the necessary resources, engage qualified professionals, and diligently work towards completing the construction of these toilets and many other abandoned projects, such as the Durmo E Block, the Lase Tulu SHS projects, the Wadurmo Road, the Ga Wichau Road, the expansion of water from the water expansion project to communities in the Wa West District just to mention but a few. If this is not done, we are going to have series of press conferences, series of demonstrations, and series of other legal and lawful means of pressing home our demand. That is what we intend to do. Meanwhile, this will keep executive for Wild West, Barry Dorothy, speaking to us off camera, denying that the projects have been abandoned, adding that plans are afoot to complete them with other ongoing projects. And so while we have worked on those projects, those uncompleted projects, together with what they even need in their not plan for, that is what I am saying, that when they are in the plan, we are still sourcing for funding to come and then complete them. So entirely, people entirely think that we have abandoned them. That is where I say, I, I, will not, I will not say we have abandoned them. Plans are far advanced. Plans are in place to complete them. Reporting for the news, Rafik Salam, Durmo. Now, in many homes and offices today, the lights are kept on even during the day when natural light ought to be depended on. Now, while many are investing in air conditioners rather than 
creating spaces in their buildings to allow free flow of air. Uh, this, these have become concerns of climate change advocates and building construction experts from the African continent at the 2023 Green Building Conference, which is ongoing in Accra. The environmentalists say the adoption of green buildings will save energy and help to mitigate climate change. There's more. Check out this report. In many homes... In many homes today, the lights are kept on even during the day. The rooms are pitch dark and the openings are very small. Many have also resorted to using air conditioners in place of the creation of many openings on their buildings for artificial air. Advocates of green building are encouraging the use of natural ventilation to cool homes by incorporating thoughtful architectural design and efficient ventilation strategies they believe homeowners can enjoy refreshing breezes without relying solely on power-hungry air conditioning units. Director of the Green Building Conference, Professor Emmanuel Kwamna Banfuaje, says by strategically designing living spaces and incorporating features like skylights and larger windows, homeowners can bathe their interiors in abundant natural light, positively impacting both the environment and their well-being. We are trying to encourage those who are burdened to use more of these local materials because the sandcrete block and the cement they emit more of co2 and because of that uh, the climate change is now affecting us so for us to mitigate that or reduce that we are encouraging people to use more of bricks uh, they can even use yesterday we were in town and we bought coconut water very scotchy weather but yet the coconut water was cool why because of the material that is used in that coconut itself. So we are thinking of using even coconut fiber um, mesh to, you know, integrate with uh, other materials to see how we can, you know, use it. He wants architects to advise their clients when they consult them to work on their buildings. The architects are involved in this aspect of it because they need to now uh, uh, think through about the design that they engage in. And they need to also advise the clients that these designs that they are doing should be things that are about green, which will go in a long way to help them. If you have a, a window that is very wide, at least in your building, you should have at least more than 50% of your building having openings. So it you know, admits more of natural um, light in there. Some also decide to use sliding doors, sliding windows rather. And sliding windows admit 50% of hair, natural air into that place. It is not the, the best. Ideally, if you are using lever blades, you know, those ones admit 100% of air into the building. So architects need to rethink about their design. They need to also uh, educate their clients that this is the way to go. The client should not look at always beauty, but look at, at the end of the day, how do I maintain my home so that it will not be more expensive. Uh, when you live in a home and always you're always using the condition, look at the cost of electricity bill. Definitely, it will better having those um, burdens. Member of Parliament for Cape Coast North, Dr. Kwamna Mintanyaku indicated that a lot needs to be done to mitigate the effect of climate change. It's been something that is very topical. A lot of more researchers are looking into how we can work around and ensure that this uh, issue of uh, climate change will be uh, addressed. As we just uh, rightly 
witnessed uh, one of the musicians in Ghana also embarked on a uh, uh, flute or a procession regarding uh, climate change initiatives. And if you look around the world, fires all over the place in America, when you look at flood in Germany and all other, that means that we need to really critically assess what uh, we can do to be able to ensure that this climate change in menace across the globe will come to a halt. Ministers from South Africa, Ghana, and academics drawn from the African continent have been presenting papers and brainstorming on ways to improve how buildings are constructed on the African continent. Richard Kujinyako, Joy News, Accra. Right, time for a cup of tea. But when we come back, Dr. Sam Ankara wants to be president of Ghana. Why? He will tell you when we return from these messages in his very first ever political interview live on The Pulse. That's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see F-I-N-T-E-X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil That's not true. But why? Yay! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Smile, hmm? Look lively, okay? Smile, smile. Is the money too small? A bad stomach ruins your day. Don't let it. Take Gastron, your most effective antacid, for the relief of symptoms of peptic ulcer, heartburn, gas pain, flatulence, and indigestion. Hey guys, what are you waiting for? Let's go, let's go. Mwah. Can you bring down that smile small? <laughs> Gastro, effective relief from stomach discomfort, manufactured and distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been written and approved by the Equibank Salary Account, bro. See, with the Equibank Salary Account, you will enjoy free life insurance, oh. free debit card, save while you spend, and an amazing chance to double your salary, a hundred seven, and even more consolation rewards in the Equibank Double Salary Promo Reloaded. Vimwo, this Equibank Salary Account sounds interesting. What do you think? Ayara. Uh, 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 but maybe next time, Charlie, you know what? I'll go shine my shoe. Hey. Yo, Miss F, I'll go check my BP. 
Open an Ecobank salary account today for a lifetime of benefits. You also stand a chance to win more than double your salary in the Ecobank Double Salary Promo Reloaded from now till July 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Under the supervision of the National Lottery Authority under the Caritas Lottery Platform. The second clinic of the 2023 edition of the EcoBank Joy News Habitat Fair promises to excite patrons in many ways. The West Hills Mall will host all relevant players in the housing and construction industry in Ghana from Friday 4th to Sunday 6th August 2023 from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. This year's exhibition is under the theme Home Ownership, Affordability, Comfort or Luxury. Visit the clinic and engage the providers in the housing value chain on all your housing needs, be it financing, land acquisition, rent to own, outright purchase, roofing, lighting, electronic appliances, home security, or home furnishing. The EcoBank Joy News Habitat Fair is your one-stop shop for everything housing. To register as an exhibitor, please call 0244-260-653. There will be daily giveaways by the sponsors to visitors at the fair. The EcoBank Joy News Habitat Fair is in partnership with EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank, and powered by the Plant City Extension Project from Citizen Habitats, Rent to Own, and sponsored by Elegant Homes and General Construction Limited, where quality meets value. Syntex Tanks, a strong, a tough. EcoBank Joy News Habitat Fair, affordability, comfort, or luxury. Welcome back. Now, we're very honored this afternoon. A distinguished guest joins us. Dr. Sam Ankra has announced his intention to run for president in next year's general election. Now, Dr. Ankra is not a novice in the public space. He's an investment banker, a global business strategist, and development economist, as well as the founder and president of the Africa Investment Group. Now, he was also voted among the top 50 personalities on the African continent for their effort in driving investment towards Africa. During this uh, candid discussion, we're going to explore the pressing challenges uh, facing our nation and how Dr. Ankara believes that his unique approach and leadership can address them, uh, from economic development to healthcare to education to foreign policy. Uh, Yeah, let me not give it all away. Let's welcome Dr. Sam Ankara to our election headquarters on the Pulse. Dr. Ankara, what a pleasure. Thank you. So, I mean, this is bold. President, why? Everybody asks me this question. Um, the challenge is, I'm not a politician. I've never wanted to be a politician, to be honest. 
I used to look at politicians differently, so I tend to shun away from it. But then I got back to Ghana a while ago when President Kufo was in government. I followed a term sheet we prepared for from Goldman Sachs, about $1 billion for road construction. Mm -hmm. So then, after coming to the country, I saw the development and what he intended to do and how the country was looking to move forward from that point. So I had an interest coming back and forth. A lot of recommendations will have been made in the process. Uh, it, was, it was heard, but it wasn't taken and implemented. I started writing articles in the newspapers. It was read, it wasn't taken. So I've been speaking to key people, they go, it's the only way you can affect this kind of change you're looking for if you're in health affairs. Mm. But that requires a lot of sacrifice. And if you're ready for that, to lay yourself there for, sacrifice yourself for the nation, then looking at what you have and what you know, mm. we think you're very, very more than qualified mm. to run for the position. So it's basically led by my passion to help people, to move people from where they are, upward mobility, mm. which I don't actually see. And that's what actually moved me to take this bold step. Mm. Now, this is indeed a bold step. You're, you're, you, you, you came to our studio alone today. I'm sure you have your team somewhere. But you, you, you want to move from being a person known for business, a person known for your achievements in the areas of investment, to a person that people will walk into a ballot box and choose over all alternatives. And not just people, but majority of the voters. How do you intend to go from where you are today to there in just a little over a year? Well, um, if you're in business, and again, if you have to be successful in anything, you have to be somebody that has to look at situations, assess the situation, and build a strategy towards it. The key aspect of being an entrepreneur is having a vision and build an organization to drive the vision. So I believe in this sector too, having the right structures in place, bringing the right personnel on board, and having the right vision and the message for the people would clearly cut across. I mean, if you look at the current situation they were in, and the musical chairs that had gone on on this fourth republic 30 years now are in, it doesn't take a rocket science for everyone to know that we need qualified personnel, people who have the track record and experience to run the nation. Um, I always say academic work or theoretical work is 20%. Having practical aspects on the field is 80% of the job. Mm. And this is what I'm bringing to the table, bringing it better to help solve our problems that we're in. We have investment bankers in government today. Um, and, well... I don't think you, you, you are impressed by their Not at performance. All. So what is it about you? What is different about you? What makes you a winning choice? Excellent question. I mean, first of all, with the current system we have in place, it will be very difficult for any good apple to come out. What I mean by that is these structures we have are more or less contaminated centers. And that's the reason why I opted not to join any political party, but come from the outside and clean the system. 
To be honest, if they can look into your eyes and be very honest with you, they can tell you that there's a huge challenge in the system. Look at the amount of money they are spending even to win parliamentary seats. It's mind-blowing. These people are even borrowing while they're in opposition. Mm. They're getting themselves incumbent under the name of the country, without, not even in power. Are you not going to end up spending even more? You want to be president. So that is what I said. I said that if the person is self-made and accomplished something and he's coming to sacrifice himself for this occasion, mm. then that's a different ballgame altogether. But if we look at the current system where people are borrowing money even in opposition to come to government with expectation that when they win, they will get the money back. Mm. By the time they will look for the money you've borrowed, there's about another year left for the election. Mm. And then they are looking for money to win the next election. Mm. This cycle cannot continue. The status quo needs to end. Somebody needs to distract it, break the system down, and rebuild it. And that's exactly what I'm looking to do. Mm. So how, how do you intend to fund your campaign, being practical? Well, as you rightly said, I've been in the business world. I've built a lot of good contacts and relationships within. So whilst taking the bold step, in our line of business, people even donate money for um, social impact projects with the expectation mm. of taking it back. Mm. So once people understand there's a genuine cause, mm. somebody who they can trust, credible, they would want to be behind you and support you to get this done. Mm. So I'm basically doing this with friends, mm. within, and I believe that um, with the right message, with the right strategy, we'll be able to help and save this nation. Mm. Now, you, you come from the world of investment. So I'm assuming that your friends are investment people, which means they will be investing in you. How are, what sort of payoffs can they expect? Like I explained earlier, these are people that put funds into social impact projects with the expectation of not having it back. So it's a good cause. It's a charitable system that you're doing now. So I'm not going to, and let me say very clearly, get myself incumbent because that's a system we're fighting now. That's one of the huge challenges that causing this initiative to raised now. So if I'm coming as a change agent, which I know I am, then I have to do things differently. We can't keep doing the same old things and expect different results. It mm. can't work. And unfortunately, this has been the case. Mm. It's only a fool that keep taking the same destination, thinking they'll go the same route, thinking they'll go to different destinations. Look, Ghanaians have to now understand that a system that we have in place is not working until we disrupt it, change it, and rebuild. And that's exactly what I stand for, and that's what mm. we want to do. We're talking to Dr. Sam Ankara. He wants to be president, and he's telling us why. Uh, let's talk about your vision. Um, uh, maybe we can start from what is wrong with Ghana and how you intend to fix it. Right. I was going to say everything is wrong with Ghana. <laughs> However, some inroads have been made. However, it's not the kind of change we're looking for. It gets to a point in business where you have to rebuild yourself or else you go under. In politics, it's a different ballgame altogether. And the, situa the, the, the situation is even dire over here. You can't keep doing the same thing when the external environments are changing. I have a statement say, that says that you can't use analog to solve digital problems. Mm. The world is changing around us. Our systems have remained the same. There's no way we can catch up. If we're looking for the growth that this country needs, 
and the backlog of young people coming through, which is frightening, we need to sit up and understand that the system needs to be broken down and rebuilt all the way from start. Okay. And that's exactly what I'm looking to do. Right, let's get specific. So uh, let's take the economy. How do you intend to fix it? We're with the IMF at the moment, and we're expected to be with them for a good few years. If you win the next election, you'll be winning, and uh, you'll be forming a government to run an IMF economy. There's a challenge, absolutely, and without a doubt. However, that is the reason why you need an expert on the field to solve the problems. As we sit in here, let me give you, for instance, an example. You have companies that goes into the forest, cut timber, heavy loads, dr drive them all the way, destroy roads that we've put so much investment in to the harbor and export it. And then turn around and import at 2,000% the price. You think it's right? There's nothing being done about it? Even in the EU, there are protection in laws. Protection in laws. We need to build our fundamentals. We need to create within. We can't just keep doing the same thing again. We're importing tomatoes. We're importing almost everything. So until we have deliberate policies to tackle this head-on, once and for all, by Ghanaians, within Ghana, we would be sitting here, and every time there's a fly around us, we're in trouble. Every time there's a rain, it comes direct to us. The sunshine is coming directly to us. We need to build the buffers. We need to create a serious, strong economic model that speaks to our African experience. And let's be serious about it. And fortunately for us, we have the AFTA, which now gives us a much more bigger market. Let's start looking and creating wealth within rather than always looking externally for help. As far as the IMF situation is concerned, I mean, we've already, the country has been committed. We will look at how we would lessen the front end and backload it, but build serious policies that would help us to generate and build economy within rather than relying on the standoff. Mm. I'm sure even as you explained this, you could hear how familiar it sounds. Uh, you're not the first person to identify these problems. Why should anyone believe that Dr. Sam Ankara is the one person who will actually be able to do something about a problem we all recognize? Like I said to you, we have a system that ties our leaders even before they take government. If you are in power, because somebody contributed towards you, and the person is an important rice. You get into power, as soon as you start making a policy, you lift his head, you go down. Look around. We have political millionaires, even billionaires in this country. There's no creative, innovative business uh, millionaires in this country. It's all because politicians rely on certain segment of people, export, import, so they can make their tents, their, their cats, and run the nation. This is something that I'm saying we're going to put an end to it. The status quo, that things are done this way, is what I'm going to disrupt. Mm. And once these things are disrupted, getting in unencumbered, not liable to anybody, you would take the decisions that hurt but builds a nation. The decisions that would create opportunities for the young men coming through. Mm. This is what we're not having. There's a lot of talk, but there's no execution. 
Why? Because people's hands are tied and they're not honest about it. Mm. If they can be genuinely honest with you, you can look at your eyes and tell them, look, there's a problem. Because you rightly said, they know the problems, they know the challenges, but the execution, the implementation is where they get shot because they find themselves wanting. So what I'm hearing is a, a, is a leaning towards protectionism. It would appear that you, you are quite uh, keen on uh, ensuring that we protect our natural resources. Things are done by Ghanaians, with Ghanaians, the money stays in Ghana. Is that your general approach to managing the economy? Well, it's not 100% protectionism, but some element of it, because we need that to grow the economy. If everything comes in and out, then there's no, there's the, the game will fall back to the same old, old situation. I mean, let me tell you an example, give you a typical example. After the Second World War, Norway was a very, very poor country. Mm. They were just fishermen and farmers with nothing. Years down the line, Norway is one of the world's richest countries. Yeah. What happened? Visionary leader. When they found oil, similar to what Ghana found, they told the Brits and the Americans, we are not going to allow you to come and take the resources and give us royalty as you're doing. Mm. What we require from you is to train, develop our people, give us a skill. Mm. We will do our own exploration to production and we'll pay you from the sale of the product. Mm. That decision years down the line, they're not just exporting the products, they're exporting the technology. Mm. Everywhere in the world where you go, where there are smart, intelligent people doing serious things in the upstream or downstream oil business, mm. they are no agents. Mm. And why did that happen? A leader thought through and developed a product that can suit his market. Mm. Why are we not doing the same? Isn't it too late for us to do the same? We've already struck the deals. People are already drilling the oil. We're already taking a 10% royalty or whatever peanuts we agreed to. Isn't it too late? It's never too late. If you still look at the Ghana... Um, map where we have our minerals. I think one professor, my colleague Professor Kwame Ado has designed a map which shows there are a lot of resources still available in the country. Let's be wise. Let's start looking at it critically. What has gone is gone. Mm. But what is remaining needs to be guarded to create opportunity for these young people. Right. The amount of young men I see in the streets of Accra, the amount of graduates who have nothing to do is frightening. Mm. Let's be serious as a country for once and start addressing these timing bombs, these issues. Mm. Let's talk about health. Uh, you are seeking the votes of men, women, and children in remote areas of our nation who are dying on the way to the hospital because there's, you know, it's too far away from where they live. There are far too few healthcare facilities and even fewer healthcare professionals to take care of the not-so-big population of Ghana. What's your solution? Pretty simple. There are serious challenges that need to be addressed in the health sector, without a doubt. If you look around, there are many flows of Ghanaian health workers living the shores of the country. Why is it so? Because the economic situation is not favorable. I think the number one way of addressing this issue is creating a conducive environment where we maintain our brains. Because once we are draining our brains, we'll keep having these issues. And if people are well incentivized, there's no need for them to go home is home. 
So we need to first address the issue where there's not in enough labor, first of all, even when we look at resources. Once you have the labor, you have committed people who are motivated. It doesn't even matter the environment. They are able to provide health solutions at exactly where it is. But don't we have trained healthcare professionals who are stuck at home, not able to get jobs? No, it goes back to exactly what I just said. Professionals who are stuck at home, not able to get jobs? No, it goes back to exactly what I just said. That would take us to corruption, that would take us to all the other things. In remote areas of our nation, who are dying on the way to the hospital because there's, you know, it's too far away from where they live. There are far too few healthcare facilities and even fewer healthcare professionals to take care of the not so big population of Ghana. What's your solution? Pretty simple. There are serious challenges that need to be addressed in the health sector, without a doubt. If you look around, there are many flows of Ghanaian health workers living on the shores of the country. Why is it so? Because the economic situation is not favorable. I think the number one way of addressing this issue is creating a conducive environment where we maintain our brains. Because whilst we are draining our brains, we'll keep having these issues. And if people are well incentivized, there's no need for them to go. Home is home. So we need to first address the issue where there's not in enough labor, first of all, even when we look at resources. Once you have the labor, you have committed people who are motivated. It doesn't even matter the environment. They are able to provide health solutions at exactly where it is. But don't we have trained healthcare professionals who are stuck at home, not able to get jobs? No, it goes back to exactly what I just said. Professionals who are stuck at home, not able to get jobs? No, it goes back to exactly what I just said. That would take us to corruption, that would take us to all the other things that we can discuss as we go along. Qualified, I think in the private sector, to run the up-end medical system and leave the low-end medical system to run by government. By so doing, you free the, fu the funds available to be able to look after these remote areas. Is that not what's happening anyway? And there are lots of private hospitals in, in Accra, in Ghana. Well, I, I honestly speaking, I only see one very good private hospital, and I don't see many, because the environment, even in business, there's no enabling environment. There has to be deliberate policy to attract these kind of investments. If you're not doing it, people are not going to put their money in. So create the enabling environment, give the people the opportunity to come in, and once that happens, you free your, your funds to be able to address the remote areas and then leave the high-end people that can afford to, to pay and go to the uh, top-end hospitals. Mm -hmm. How many Ghanaians fly out to South Africa? How many Ghanaians fly out to England and to U.S. for medical services? Clearly, if there's decent ones created locally, these people are going to patronize. And then that frees the government, the room, to be able to address the most pressing ones as our, our family members who are in the remote part of the country. Education, what's the Sam Ankara solution? I personally believe strong, high-quality education is crucial for the survival of this nation. No half-heartedness. At the moment, we've gotten ourselves into this situation where everything is free, 
in the secondary cycle and it's not producing the quality and that's scary would you change that i think it needs to be reviewed how in what way i believe that certain schools has to be privatized for top end people to pay and go and then government can raise money from there to be able to use for schools day schools not boarding schools for people in local communities how, how will government raise money from a privatized I mean, school if, you, if, if, for instance, uh, if you float, say, Adisado College, if you float, say, um, uh, what they call it, uh, Fancipin, for old boys to purchase, mm-hmm. that's raising, raising money. Right. So once you, you are able to privatize these high-end schools, because, as, I mean, which part, which part of the world did you go, did you go to boarding school for free? So if we privatize these boarding schools, whether partly or fully, we're able to raise money, build local schools for free in local communities for the people that can go to go. Mm. And even that, you are going to get higher quality education because giving free education, which is of no value, is more than not even given at all. Mm. So let's address the issue of quality. And how do we address the issue of quality? It's having serious investments into education. Mm. And how do we get serious investment into education? We can't keep borrowing. So what do we do? Privatize some of these ones. Raise money for it. And this is a skill that I bring on the table as an investment banker, as a businessman. Mm. Now, before the poor eat the rich, how are you going to get them jobs? How are we going to get jobs? Again, it's, it's, it's a, a policy which hasn't been implemented, which I find wanton. How many architects do we have? How many accountants do we have? How many? So we need to start building apprenticeship. Let's stop this YouTube, you boys, all this... NAPCOP camping boys into camps and thinking you give them a skill that they can go out there and work. It's a fallacy. What I believe in is apprenticeship, qualified personnel. If you come and you're an architect, we'll put about 10 architects behind you, train and develop them. Government pay the salaries. That gives you the cash flow to run your business. Five years or whatever years, they are out and they've also set themselves up. You pump apprentices to them. By so doing, you are permutating. And everyone, most of these guys are getting into employment. You are creating, you are helping the person that is qualified to run his business because government is paying salary, so he's having personnel to work for free, more or less, mm. so they can engineer his energies into other creativity ventures. You do that, you are giving skill to people, real skills to people. But to say, uh, we're going to put kids somewhere eight months or seven months for a training program, which we don't even know what it is, and they come out and you should find a job, it's a fallacy. Let's start building apprenticeship. Barbering shop, power people in there. Hairdressing shop, power people in there. Nails technicians, every aspect. Governments have to develop policy to pay at least for these people for a period. And then when they also graduate, they set up and they, it keeps permutating. That will create a lot of opportunities, first of all, to start with. Then you can look at the other aspect of it creating deliberate policies that would attract business and investors to do business. I mean, we can't keep talking about one district, one F. All these slogans, when there's no real, tangible, deliberate policies on the ground to help people. Mm. Have you even tried registering a piece of land in Ghana before? Yeah, difficult. And if you go to the bank, what's the first thing they ask? Collateral. Mm. So if it's going to take me 20 years to register my land to get a title, and the bank is seeking for my title, that means I failed. Mm. Besides, the banks are not even uh, capitalized enough to be able to fund this project. These are areas we need to start looking at. Look at how the GAT fund fund these four banks. Similar setups, 
fund, fund, so that the banks will well capitalize, then they can start looking at programs fund. And again, creates the environment where it will not be difficult to get the documents or the necessary approvals to get these things done. Mm. It's difficult at the moment. The business environment is not conducive enough. Mm. Create enabling environment. It's not just talk. These are practical things that need to be done. Another area where it seems everybody knows the solution, but nobody wants to implement them, agriculture. Again, agriculture is outmoded. I'll get, go back again. You cannot solve digital problems with analog solutions. We, lack, we can't, as a cis now, you cannot attract funded into it. First of all, there's land tenure issues and also rudiment style of farming and also no technology. Mm. Look at Israel, Halif advanced. So go to Israel, bring the experts to bring their technology, solve the land issues, the funding will chase it. These are basic things, as easy as it is, and yet it's not been done. Mm. But we need to take practical steps. Like I said, bring the technology, put your the enabling environment in place, and the funding will chase these projects. It's is as simple a, as that. Is there a risk to employment numbers in the agriculture sector the more we uh, infuse technology and Absolutely not. In fact, research even shows that the more advanced technological ways, the more people you employ, the more hands you get on these farms. So clearly, it's even going to create more skilled labor instead of just using the hoe and the axe and the cutlasses to be cutting and expecting us to have productivity. Let's be serious. Let's address issues head on. Let's look for the things that others have done and implemented and do, have it with a free hand and making sure there's transparency in everything that we do. And once you people understand that there's transparency and it's on merit, they will follow you. The people will buy into the vision. Mm. And you get success out of it. As a cis now, with no transparency, and we say we are doing this, and the suiting party, party faithfuls, we say we're doing Look, we're buying tractors, and we go there, and we look at our members and give it to them and all that kind of thing. Forget it. We were just joking. We're doing cosmetic work. Mm. The real issue is not addressed. All right, let's talk about corruption. It's become topical recently. Um, what will your presidency's approach to governance and corruption be? I mean, we already have the laws. I doubt that's the problem. I, 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 I will say I'm very rich. <laughs> okay, how rich are you? What's your net worth? I, 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 I will say I'm very rich. <laughs> Okay, $30 million. Yeah, $30 okay, you've made all of this through investments. Yeah. Okay, uh, is this in... Being in, very conservative. Okay, so is this in, uh, you know, is this liquid? Well, it's assets oh, and liquid. Assets and liquid, yeah. Okay, what sort of fight is yours? It'll be complicated mm. by the state. Mm. So it's in the interest of everybody to declare every asset. Mm. Then you make sure that when there is a complaint mm. or an issue arises, the mis whoever is in charge stay aside. Mm. Once they stay aside of this investigation and the person is found culpable by the law, you, as a government, have to see to it and ensure to the end that a person deals with the strictest part of the law. Mm. And then, if they have to be sentenced, mm. again, you would make sure the government, our government would guarantee mm. that the public officer would, be, would have the full sentence. Mm. Plus, not that, wherever money that is involved, you pay plus interest. Dr. Samankra, you've given our audience quite a lot to think about, which means from now on, every time you have a conversation about your aspirations, they'll have lots of questions to ask you. We appreciate your time with us this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
And that's uh, the man who would be president. Uh, see if, uh, let's see how his campaign unfolds. Of course, you will get more updates from us right here. There's more coming up, including some jalof after these messages. of items is amazing. Interesting things at Homeland this month. Yes. Foot warmers, ice chests, mm-hmm. insulated jugs, ice cube trays, ceramic servants. Wait, is that all? Cupset, vacuum flax, oil jars, sauce jars, ladles, rainbow. Yes, that is Homeland for you. Listen, many more. Everything you need in the kitchen. Homeland got it at quality and affordable prices. Yes. There you have all the toys for you kids. Toys land. Awesome. Promotions, sales, massive discounts, freebies. What more can you ask for? Call Homeland now on 059-381-1451. Shop your way at Homeland at a cross central. Kamali. Spintex, Kumasi. It's a big bazaar, big sale. This whole month at Homeland Ring Road Branch. Get interactive on all social media platforms at Homeland Store GH. Happy kitchen, happy home. We've had news file over the weekend and uh, an interesting part of the conversation. Oh no, we are out of range. Oh, don't worry, Daddy. I have Alex in my bag. Alex, what? Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana and play Joy FM. Super Hits Radio, Radio. Joy 99.7. Listen to Joy FM. Hits FM. Love FM. Live on your Amazon Echo. Listen to your favorite multimedia radio stations live on your Amazon Echo device by saying, Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana, play Joy FM or Hits FM or Love FM or catch up on your favorite podcast by saying, Alexa, play and then the name of your favorite podcast from Multimedia Ghana. For a list of all podcasts available, say Alexa. Ask Multimedia Ghana to browse programs. And we are back like we never lost signal. Alexa, welcome to Multimedia. HD, the new exciting football channel is now available only on HD Plus and brings you football from around the world. Watch Sadio Mane and Daniel Kufitre in the top weekly match of the Bundesliga 1 and DFB Cup, Primera Liga, Copa de la Liga Profesional, C. Ronaldo in the Saudi Pro League, as well as daily sports news every other hour. Also, get updated on Messi and Mbappe on PSG TV and many more. Feely Feely on HD Plus Channel 151. Agronaede, HD Plus, the Feely Feely Experience. Six technical universities have set out to lock knives and ladles in the quest for the bragging rights as the Big Chef Tertiary School 2023. We know we are the best and we are not shaken by anyone. Hey. We are all the way from Takwa, the Western. 
Okay. To greater Accra. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, come on. Visitors cannot come from anywhere and come and defeat us. Mm -hmm. We can prepare dishes that are going to see the judges all day. We are here to win. We are taking everything back to home. Yeah. The battle line is drawn. Big Chef Tertiary shows this and every Sunday at 5 p.m. only on Joy Prime. Big Chef Tertiary, the kitchen has no boundaries. Joy Prime, your ultimate experience. Oh, there you are. Um, now, according to the latest West Africa Jalof Index put together by SBM Intelligence, at least 317 CDs is required to prepare a standard Jalof rice dish for a family of five. Now, this is an upward adjustment of more than 14% compared to the 277 CDs average cost at the beginning of the year. The dish continues to lose its place on the dining table as high ingredient cost compels individuals and parents to opt for cheaper meals. Check this out. Right, so you can see how the numbers have progressed throughout um, the month from January until now. A price taking a very steep hike between May and June 2013. In May, it would have cost you only about 277 cities and 75 pesos to make Jollof for five in Ghana. Now, we're hitting the dizzy heights of 317 cities and 50 pesos. Bear in mind that we started off at about 277.75 at the beginning of the year, going up to about 286 cities for February. It got a lot cheaper in uh, March and April, but it has maintained those levels until May uh, when it started to shoot up. Right now, though, we are quite expensive compared to other countries. Now, uh, let's see if we can learn a little bit more about this. We'll be speaking to Ikemesit Efiong, head of research, uh, who has been looking at when it started to shoot up. Right now, though, we are quite expensive compared to other countries. Now, uh, let's see if we can learn a little bit more about this. We'll be To my newborn baby boy. The day you arrived was one of the happiest days of my life. Right up there with the day I bought my RV from that guy on the internet and insured it with Progressive. <laughs> what a deal. Just know, son, I'll always be here for you. And by here, I mean in the middle of absolutely nowhere. In my RV. Protect your baby with an RV policy from Progressive. Take as little as four minutes to see what you could save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. These figures together. And what is driving the price up? That's, you know, where you are. And I mean, Ghana. And, and really for the, and for the Ghana Jollof Index, right? You're looking at, you know, a weakening currency. Um, more obviously, that's with the impact prices because, you know, there are market operators in you know, within the country who have to import key items, right? And, you know, currency risk will disproportionately uh, impact them. And a, a key thing which, you know, Ghana also shares with Nigeria, so 
you know, much of, you know, West Africa where, where, where Jollof is prepared, mm. is the seasonality of key um, food items. Right now, um, all of the region rises in the rainy season. Uh, now is not the best time where you would find, you know, for example, um, tomatoes at a cost-effective, mm. you know, price point, right? You know, so all of that, you know, also impacts on the price. And the fact that seasonality is a factor is really a statement of the fact that, you know, our supply chain management for agriculture is still at the very nascent, you know, and um, are pretty low. So you can't guarantee. So that gap means that you cannot guarantee, which means when it's harvest time, that mm. yeah, the final element, right, is the creeping insecurity, at least, you know, what begins to this, right? In food growing areas, there is, there are elements of instability which means that you know, some producers are not getting as much produce to market as you've seen in the past. And this is also an element which, which is present in Nigeria. It's a bit more pronounced in Nigeria than, than you know, than, than where you are, obviously, because our own security makes it a lot more complex, right? But it's still a factor also, right, and in Ghana. So, you know, putting all of this together means that that creates in front of you, right? It's a lot expensive, mm-hmm. a lot more expensive now in mm-hmm. the you know, than it was at the beginning of the year. And the outlook doesn't really indicate that, you know, those trends might change for the better in terms of Mm. I want you to stay with us because I'm very interested in how Ghana Jollof and Nigeria Jollof are uh, sizing up against each other in terms of price points. But let me introduce two other guests. Abna Pokuabediako is the CEO of Chic Kitchen. And, uh, of course, this is a restaurant here in Accra. Mwimo Victor Chinunso uh, is uh, from Imo State, uh, and uh, he is a jollof consumer from Nigeria. Uh, uh, good afternoon to you both. Now, I want to start with Abna Pukua. Now, every mouthful of jollof is bursting with flavor, especially the Ghanaian jollof. You can taste the tomatoes in there. You can taste the pepper, the onions. Uh, whatever meat was used to make it, you can taste that in the stock. So it just really pops in your mouth. But all that popping is money. Talk to us mm. about the most expensive or the most uh, uh, the, the 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 ingredients that have increased the most in price for you. Okay, thank you so much, Kojo. So the ingredient that has increased in the past months as a food uh, business owner is um, for jollof, especially is. Um, Tomatoes and um, rice. You can hmm. see the rice price keeps changing. The tomato prices keep changing. And those are most of the key ingredients that are used to prepare this dollar fries. Yes. All right. Tell us, by what percentages are you seeing these, um, these ingredients increasing? Oh, the tomatoes, I, okay, for example. So, okay. So... With the business, usually we have a price model and it keeps increasing and changing with the pair the price change so that we know how to price. By what percentages are you seeing these um, these ingredients increasing? Oh, the tomatoes, I, okay, for example. So, okay. So with the business, usually we have a price model and it keeps increasing and changing with the pair the price change so that we know how to price for our customers. And then I've noticed that beginning we started selling let's say that beginning we started selling let's say 
you can sell a plate of jollof for let's say about 40 guys beginning we started selling let's say you can sell a plate of jollof for let's say about 40 guys mm. depending on the market but when we started it depends yeah it depends on the the products that the uh, raw materials that mm. you use so, so if okay so if we decide to it depends okay so a place like this will go for about 55 Ghana mm. for a place okay. a place of yeah jollof so, and chicken so let me ask you how are your your patrons responding to the steep uh, increase in in price oh we've got a lot of some people complain a lot for because of how the price keeps changing and sometimes we have to maintain it and swallow the cost for a while before we put in a price change just so that we can maintain the customers we have mm. so um like the, the dollar price we're talking about beginning it was about 40 45 ghana we had to maintain the price over about two months because when we go to the market we see the price change we keep seeing changes but uh, and our margins keep reducing but we still have to maintain before we increase the prices yes mm. so sometimes we have to swallow it for some time and it's not good for sometimes it's not good for the business Mm. But when it gets to a point, we have to just increase it and for the customers to buy it just like that. Mm. Let, let me bring in Remo uh, Victor Chinonso. He's in Inno State. Uh, he loves Nigerian jollof. So, um, well, he has our sympathies. Uh, Remo, it's good to have you on the show. Tell us, uh, are you seeing a similar price buildup uh, on the Nigerian counterpart of this lovely dish? Okay, good evening. Thank you for having me. I'm Victor. So yes, uh, the price change on jollof list, I think is I think it's the same across board. I think mm. every, every one of us based on different um, issues that are happening in our country right now. You know, the difference in prices, the security issues, and those things tend to affect the prices of ingredients used to make this food. At this present time, tell us how the security issues are affecting uh, the price build-up. And most of the, the food the grain issues, the grains, the rice, are produced in the northern part of the country, and a lot of the security issues are happening at that part of the country. So when issues are high, farmers do not go out to farm. So when there is no farming. I'm going to produce this lack and people tend to hold the remaining and sell very expensively when we know this later. So obviously this ends up um, being passed on to the consumer. Do you see a, an effect on the quality? Yes. Uh, no, not really. The, we, have, we also have locally, locally made rice for them. I can't try to get the name right now, but we have Locally made rice, which is a bit, it's not cheaper, but it's about the same price. But the quality is also is also very good, mm. and the is quite nutritious as much as the um, imported rice. Mm. So the quality is not really much of the problem. Right. Uh, how how do you think um, you know uh, Nigeria succeeded in getting 
citizens to acquire the taste for the local rice when they were so used to the imports? Um, the local rice, naturally, just it tastes good. And because um, based on some research that we made by all the doctors around, it's known that the local rice is much more nutritious than the imported rice. So this is more nutritious. Nigerians also like healthy food. So we mm. actually go for those ones get and mm. get them into that's a fascinating insight there from Victor uh, joining us from Imo State. Now, uh, let me come back um, to our researcher uh, who has provided us with these figures. Uh, uh, so, so, I mean, t- tell us, uh, Ikemisit, uh, did you discover that the price buildup in Nigeria is any different from that in Ghana? Are there different ingredients that are increasing in price compared to, the, uh, uh, to Ghana? And it's probably the same ingredient. It's probably the same ingredients, right? Um, you know, so um, tomatoes again being impacted by that seasonality. Yeah. Uh, you know, just yeah, yeah, uh, just and just as the chef um, said, right? You know, that that has been a factor again. And one of the big items that has really, really moved is protein, and you know, the protein sources. So for Nigeria, I and mean, you have chicken, right, in front of you. Um, I do. You, yes, you, very delicious chicken, right yeah, here. Yeah, you should. Don't don't. Don't dive into it, right? I just asked. <laughs> um, yeah. too, too late. Yeah. <laughs> so with the yeah with the Nigerian index, we track with Turkey, right? And what we um, what we the prices of Turkey is a lot a lot of Turkey is right a lot of Turkey here in Nigeria is imported in any case. So so the most Nigerian houses are basically priced out of that market. Mm. You would only really see people really really consume Turkey. With any form of regularity at like social functions, you know, the burial or wedding, the child education or something of the sort, right? And what we've noticed in doing the Jollof Index in Nigeria, we've been doing it for six years now, is um, is, is this coping mechanism called, um, you know, um, source substitution, right? So we basically went from Turkey to chicken, a lot more chicken is grown in Nigeria, but a lot of it is also imported, but the price of that has also shot up. Lots of Nigerians have gone to profiles and eggs, but we saw with, for example, the Q1 um, Jollof Index, right, that the price of eggs, because of the particular strain of bed flu, which was circulating around West Africa, really, really went up, right? And so um, now, in many cases, people are using cow hides, right? Uh, in Nigeria, we call them for my Mm. In Ghana, we call it really. Right. Okay, right. So, so, so we use really right now. But a lot of Nigerians use that as a process substitute. There are important health health implications that also accrue with that. There are many medical professionals who say it's not really healthy or high grade protein, mm. as it were. But you know, everyone wants a bit of protein, right, with their jollof. And so it's really hard, right, to or high grade protein, mm. as it were. But you know, everyone wants a bit of protein. Right with their jollof, so it's really hard. Right to the United cities in Ghana for now, we just track prices in Accra and Kumasi. Mm. Right, most states just to markets because um, if you're familiar with you know Nigerian um, security and domestic issues, right, there is a nascent separatist um, movement over there in the southeast that regularly organizes what are called sit-at-homes that are often violently enforced, right, in pockets of the southeast. So that discour- that's discouraged a lot of farmers, a lot of marketers, right, 
from moving to market. And in any case, even if they could move to market on Mondays, they can't take produce to market because of the CFR tones. So that has a multiplier effect, right, on the eventual price of commodities when they do come to market. And, you know, a lot of people who are suppliers just pricing that extra security or that extra transport or that extra production risk into the into the final end product. And so what you're finding is more people are cutting down on meals. Um, there are many Nigerian families that are only doing three square meals or in some cases even two square mm-hmm. meals. Again, again, just to keep family budgets within yeah. that manageable threshold. I think the final point I'll mention is that we did research in 2019 that showed that the average Nigerian household spends 63% of its monthly income on food alone. So you can imagine with rising food prices, right, you know, how, just how much more of, you know, it, the average family budget, right, mm-hmm. you know, preparing things like general prices increasingly um, and wrecking. Right on, on budget here in Nigeria. Yeah. I don't know if a similar situation is occurring in Ghana now because we haven't measured, you know, uh, you know those factors to anything, you know, approaching that degree mm. um, of rigor. But considering the challenging economic situations now, one of the first things that under pressure, you know, households typically do is cut down on spending, and in many cases that gets manifested at the table. Mm. So, bottom line. Is jollof cheaper in Nigeria now than in Ghana? It is slightly cheaper in Nigeria than in Ghana. Again, um, and the, the, the currency situation and also the logistics situation right in Ghana has just meant that. And, and another interesting thing that we found out is that, you know, import duties, right, in Ghana have inched up, right, um, fairly recently. So that's also um, beginning to show itself in terms of, you know, what's the final price point for tomatoes or for seasoning or for, you know, any sort of component that has maybe, you know, an export-import dynamic, right, is. Um, yeah, so so right now, on a on a dollar-to-dollar basis, Nigerian jollof is slightly cheaper, yeah. right, than Ghanaian jollof, but not by much, it will comfort you to know. So, you know, Ghana may flip the script, right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ikemese, thank you for that. I want to give the final word now to um, our Ghanaian restaurant owner, uh, Abna Pokua Bidiakun. Abna, so um, we've heard how the Nigerians are getting creative and substituting some of the products. Is that something that you might consider doing? Mm. You know, Ghanaians have this, um, they know what they want, they know what they expect. So making that change... With time, we can see what we can do about it. Mm. But as he said, they they resorted to Wele. I can't imagine Ghana adding Wele to your love to sell in a restaurant. Mm. <laughs> I don't know how they will take it for now, but we will see how we'll be able to. So usually sometimes you have to reduce the portions and then sell that mm. to to make some something out of out of there. Well, that's an option. You know, people can still get the delicious jollof they love, but uh, yes. lose a little yes, bit of, of weight. Portions. Yeah, yes. lose a bit yes. of weight I think while they're at it. Portions <laughs> and, yeah. mm. The same taste, but reduced portion. That's a poignant note on which we can end this conversation. Abena Poku Abediakum, CEO of Chic Kitchen. We appreciate your time with us. And Ikemesit, always a pleasure. 
to have you on our show. Thanks. Ikemesit uh, Efiong is head of research at SBM Intelligence, which is in Lagos. All right, listen, I'm going to have to love you and leave you because I've got work to do here. Uh, but I won't leave you empty-handed. Go to myjoyonline.com for all of the big stories that are trending today. Uh, you can check them all out for yourself. Plus, coming up next on this, your favorite channel is LTS. Have a wonderful weekend.